Welcome. Welcome to the show, my dear friends. Mano Ilya here. This is the study of stuff. They, want to own your body. they do. They, want to own your soul. they do. Oh, what a show I got for you, baby. Complete control, but they can't have it. No, no, no. In the background there, this is Do Not Comply by Faithless Town. I had the wonderful experience of interviewing another fellow musician, pushing back, saying hell no, not complying and all that. The wonderful, the amazing Gene Owens. Gene Owens is an American singer-songwriter and creative force behind the band Faithless Town, who you can hear in the background. Faithless Town has released two amazing EPs, Into the Light Volume 1 and 2. These albums explore the themes of love, loss, empathy, and defiance to tyranny. And that was a big discussion point in this conversation. With Gene, we discussed being musicians, talking about our, uh, our influences and how they kind of some of them have really disappointed us and just kind of went just went along and complied with whatever is uh, mandated out there. But we did discuss a few who actually did push back and the importance of pushing back, the importance of speaking out, the importance of being an artist, creating, exploring humanity's ability to create, to congregate, to get together and celebrate being human. Okay, so Gene Owens, man... You're a, you're a cool cat, and I really enjoyed having you on the show. I hope to have you back on real soon. I hope to have more discussions with you, my dear friend. For all of you out there listening to this, please go there, down into the description, click all the links, check this band out. Oh, boy. And if you happen to be in Tennessee, I need you to do me a favor, to do yourself a favor. Go to Franklin, Tennessee, June 3rd and 4th for this amazing festival. Oh, you need to be there. Oh, good Lord. Rebels for a cause. The Freedom Festival. At this Freedom Festival, my dear friends, you will be you'll be entertained by comedians, musicians, people discussing and talking about being human. Go there and check them out. Courtney Turner put this thing together. And if you haven't checked out my episode with Courtney, please go back in the show and check that out as well. All right. Here it is. Without further ado, my interview with the great Gene Owens. All right, everybody, welcome to the study of stuff. Uh, today, I have a special guest. Uh, we have Gene Owens from the band Faithless Town. I'm super stoked about this conversation. Gene, you're the very first musician I've ever had on. And uh, me being a musician, I'm pretty excited about talking to another musician. Particularly also because we also belong to uh, a small group of people, but a growing group of musicians and artists who are, uh, who are pushing back, who have been talking and been outspoken from the beginning, who have been censored, uh, who have had some issues. Um, you're also uh, part of, uh, of Free the Nation, Ben Mitchell's uh, amazing project that he's put together, and so am I. So, Gene, uh, thank you for coming to the show, uh, coming on to the show and all, and like, I really look forward to this conversation, brother. It's it's my pleasure and honor. Thank you for having me here. Um, so <clears throat> I kind of like to have a free flow conversation. Um, so I do have some prepared questions and all, but I just kind of wanted to see what would happen since we have a lot in common uh, musically, politically. I noticed uh, we're we're kind of old school um, 
actual truth seekers, uh, conspiracy theorists, whatever they want to call us. Um, I think we're also Bruce Springsteen fans. I think I've, I, I noticed that you mentioned that a couple times. A little I, heartbreaking. It's it's a little heartbreaking after the past few years. You know when when Bruce was playing the uh, jabbed only concerts uh, in New York, that was that was rough, man. And it was just you know, and just his whole take, his whole uh, it seemed like he really drank the Kool Aid hard over the last few years. Absolutely. And it makes me question. It's it's hard, you know, to separate the artist, uh, the art from the artist sometimes, right? And that's been really challenging over the past few years because there's people like Springsteen who I love his music. I love that and what he stood for, right? Like the working man. And then there he is, you know, yelling at people to put on a mask and, and playing segregated shows. And doesn't seem like his heart was with the working people then. Um, and Rage Against the Machine is another great example of that where it's like, I find it hard to listen to their music now because they just seem like frauds after the past few years. I, I can totally relate and like a lot of my backgrounds like uh, from like uh, punk music and all that stuff and seeing all these punks who are supposed to be pushing back and you know I mean like every single one of them one by one just fell you know what I mean it was it was, it was very heartbreaking I, I actually often wonder what Joe Strummer of The Clash would have thought of all of this and like what position he would have taken you know it's it's hard to say because um, I think that I think the left has been co-opted hard you know like I, I think between Trump derangement syndrome and just being bought out. You know, I just saw this meme earlier today, right? And it was like 2012 and it showed a photo from the Occupy Wall Street movement and people marching down the street saying foreclose on banks, not on people. And then juxtaposed with a photo from like a pride rally or something where it's all rainbow flags and it's brought to you by JP Morgan. Like it was actually sponsored. That float was sponsored by a giant bank. Um, and I, I know other people have made this point. Dave Smith uh, has said it really eloquently, but it, it seems like, you know, the left got bought out and got co-opted. You know, Absolutely. there was there was two populist movements, you know, that kind of seemed to organically spring up in uh, like the mid-2000s with Occupy coming out of the uh, the bank bailouts and then the Tea Party movement on, on the right. And there... Um, in response to like the Obama uh, years. And I think there was a lot of diversity, diversity of thought in those movements. And they were really going after like who we should be fighting against, not fighting one, one another, but fighting the 1% fighting the people that are control the media, hold all the wealth that stand to gain by keeping us divided and never looking up to see who, who is really uh, exploiting us and oppressing us. And I think, they realized that. And so they introduced identity politics and all this woke ideology. And then the, all the banks and the fortune 500 companies, corporate America, they just embraced all the leftist things. And there's, we're not your enemy. I mean, we're sponsoring, sponsoring gay pride floats and we're putting up black squares on our uh, social media for black lives matter. And we're issuing a statement about social justice. Yep. Yep. It's, 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 it's surprising, but then also looking back at pop culture history and uh, particularly music history, going all the way back to the 60s and such, because a lot of what I've been doing in the last two, three years has been like doing a deep dive in like uh, social engineering, culture creation, and then kind of seeing the whole Laurel Canyon scene and like the weird, weird scenes in Laurel Canyon by uh, Dave McGowan kind of illustrates my point where like how much of this was designed, how much of it was 
organic. And I think I, I, I think I, um, I agree with you. And in, in, I think I've heard you speak about it on a couple of podcasts where, uh, and I think we have the same opinion where I think some of that uh, pushback from the sixties was organic, but then others were co-opted and, and, uh, and the CIA and MK ultra started to creep its way through uh, a good example would be uh, Ken Kesey and, and the Merry Pranksters and their relation to to, uh, to the Grateful Dead and uh, all of that. Um, but I think you have a good point there where you see it kind of uh, bubble up in the last couple of years where you kind of see the outcome of a lot of that. Uh, so let's take this back to, to uh, when you started playing music uh, and kind of connect your, your love for music. And um, it seems like you're very passionate and you have a love for humanity, freedom, and all of these uh, these amazing uh, subject matter, and how can you piece them together? Kind of tell us a little bit about that, how they fit together. Sure, man. Um, yeah, I found music in my early teens when uh, I was, you know, I, I lost my father at a very young age, and it, it kind of sent me into a dark period, you know. And I, I think, in a lot of ways, that it, it planted the seeds of uh, kind of of being feeling like an outlier, feeling seeing things from a different perspective. Cause I think when you experience um, a deep loss at a young age, it kind of, you know, it, it makes you aware of uh, your own mortality, the mortality of uh, your parents, the people that you think are like untouchable and are almost like godlike. Right. And uh, when you experience that, you start to see things in a different perspective. Uh, and then around that time, I, somebody gave me a copy of the doors first album on tape back on audio cassette right and somebody had like uh dubbed it from a cd so they put like the whole album basically fit on one one side of the cd or of the tape and then they just uh repeated it on the on side b and i just played the heck out of that thing man i'm it's probably i probably have it somewhere but it's got to be so warped and and uh you know from how many times i played that on repeat but that that record just really resonated with me. I never heard anything that weird before that. I had only heard like the horrible pop music that was, that was popular when I was coming up and not to date myself, but it was like, you know, when I was younger, it was like vanilla ice and MC hammer. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't touch this. And when I discovered that album, I was like, wow. And it just like blew my mind. And then I saw the Doors movie, uh, the Oliver Stone movie. Uh, and then I, it just kind of opened up this world of music to me. And then I was started really getting into the music that was popular um, that I really hadn't been aware of at that point. But like, you know, all the grunge stuff that was happening and Nirvana yeah. and Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots. And I love all that stuff to this day. Um, so around that time I started, I borrowed my cousin's guitar. She had this beautiful Alvarez acoustic and I just started playing before I even knew any chords. It was before the internet. So I couldn't just go watch YouTube videos and uh, I just started making up weird chords. I was probably writing songs before I even knew what I was playing. And then I uh, started taking guitar lessons at a, a you know, local music shop in, uh, in Pittsburgh where I grew up. And that just kind of sent me on this path. And as soon as more I learned, um, you know, I started learning the songs, Nirvana songs and REM songs and Stone Temple Pilot songs. And um, from there, I just started writing my own music. I always felt this need to convey something. You know, I always felt like I was a writer. I just needed to get the tools and the vocabulary um, to enable me to do that. And uh, I'd say very early on, 
tying it with, you know, being politically aware, active or uh, my activism. I was a very, I always, uh, I was like people that were rebellious and spoke out against power and against uh, corruption. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, to me, Jim Morrison, discovering him at that young age of uh, angst ridden, uh, you know, teenage years, youth, he was like this figure of defiance, you know. Uh, pushing back against the police, getting arrested on stage, you know, mocking authority. The lizard king. I, yeah, man, the lizard king. I that I totally dug that, and uh, I, I, you know, and then you know, getting into like John Lennon and other people that have kind of you know spoken out for for social issues or spoken out against war and greed and corruption. And so I, very early on, I started getting kind of active. I think my first protest, I, I played at some candlelight vigil that was protesting the bombing of um, like of Bosnia or Serbia during the Clinton years. Yeah. And when um, that, that activism kind of strengthened in the early 2000s with 9-11 and then with the Patriot Act and the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I became very active. I started working with the organization in Los Angeles. I'd moved to Los Angeles, went to music school there and, and stayed and got active with this group, Not In Our Name. That was um, basically an anti-war uh, organization fighting, pushing back against the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, Actually ended up... Was part of that, right? What's that? I think System of the Down was also part of that organization. Yeah, they may have been. I, I think, you know, later on, I learned that the organization was basically a front for the Revolutionary Communist Party. So I parted ways. Yeah, man, it was a front where, you know, you realize all the core members were handing out, uh, you know, copies of the Revolutionary Worker or whatever and yeah. trying to get you to hear lectures from Chairman Bob. I mean, they literally had a chairman named Bob who supposedly lived in some hidden bunker in France. I mean, ridiculous stuff. But you know, oddly enough, the, the mentalities of those people and, and realizing I was dealing with like hardcore Marxist and communist yeah. at the time, yeah. like their, their far out uh, ideology is now like mainstream and popular and rules almost every college campus. So it's very odd to see how that's taken place. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I, I've always just been interested uh, in, in making music with a message. Sometimes it's, just, I just write love songs, but I, I feel like, when there's something, there's something serious going on. People's lives are at stake. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. People are being oppressed. I feel that art has artists have a duty to Absolutely. to speak out against that, Absolutely. and so I try to lend my voice to that um, as I can, as best I can. And so that's what I've tried to do over the past few years with you know this insane government out overreach, the lockdowns, the draconian measures, these things that have you know sent hundreds of millions of people in a poverty that have killed countless people with these measures. Yeah, it's, it seems like uh, even from the beginning, uh, 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 you're one of the very few that kind of from the very beginning kind of didn't buy into it. Uh, Cause I kind of went back to kind of like look at your, uh, see, like find out a little bit more about you, kind of read your story. Um, I was, I was also in the exact same boat. I kind of was talking about, <clears throat> about it right from day one, because I remember the end of uh, 2019, I'd heard about event 201 I believe it was David Icke uh, and Alex Jones had, had mentioned something about it. And uh, and then it made me think of uh, the lockstep document, Rockefeller's 2009. And I was like, oh, my God, that's what they were talking about. It's happening, right? And um, just I remember, like, clear as day, 
the first couple months, uh, people just freaking out and no musician, no artist was talking or pushing back. Nobody. So then I think, uh, I think you pushed back right from the beginning. Like that must've been tough, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I started just voicing my dissent on, you know, how, however I could, I was doing it on Facebook, um, mm -hmm. on, on a personal Facebook page, which, uh, you know, after three months of trying to wake people up, I mean, I, I started a petition on like change.org in yeah. April, like the first week of April to reopen America. And I had all these people, you know, all these fellow musicians. I also, you know, used, used to live and work in, in Los Angeles. And so I, I used to work in the film industry. So I had all these, you know, and I used to do improv and acting. So I had, a, you know, musician friends. I had acting friends and entertainment industry friends. And then I had like a lot of hospitality people because as a musician or a, a, an actor, you spend a lot of time uh, waiting tables and working in restaurants oh, and bartending. Oh, yeah. So that, that was basically my whole friend group. And it was like across the sphere is just, you know, all these people attacking me for, for coming out. You know, you're a grandma killer. You're this, you're that, you're far right. I mean, my whole life, right, I've, I got arrested three times protesting the George W. Bush administration. I was part of a class action lawsuit against Bloomberg's in New York because they arrested 3,000 people uh, in 2004 protesting the GOP National Convention. And, uh, you know, it ended up being part of a class action lawsuit, got awarded a settlement as a result of that. Not huge. The money is all spent by now. But, uh, but you know, in, I've always been pro-choice. I've always been, you know, I've had uh, a bit in support of a same-sex marriage, or, uh, in support of the legalization of drugs. All these what we consider kind of more left, very left-leaning uh, positions, but all, all of a sudden I'm against the lockdowns and forced masking of people and medically segregating society. And all of a sudden you're labeled a, a right-wing, you know, extremist. Yeah. yeah it's easy to divide and conquer, right? Yeah. It's, you know, this false dichotomy has been created. It's it created, they created it with Trump, right? Where it's like anything, anything that's against the mainstream leftist kind of ideology this modern leftist it's not old, not true liberalism right it's this illiberal left that's that's hijacked the the that whole side of the political spectrum it's like anything that goes against that you're automatically labeled a trumper or a right winger and there's no um there's no space in that for nuance and discussion and you're right it's just all divide and conquer it's whatever label they can attach to you so they can shut you up or convince other people to not listen to you yeah, absolutely. I, I faced this something. I, I faced something similar right in the beginning because uh, even like I'm from Toronto, uh, Canada. I'm in Mexico now. I can only imagine I, how bad it was in Canada, man. I fled California, but dude, it was it was hardcore. And I and I worked for uh, for Lush, uh, the handmade cosmetic vegan company. They're super, 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 super hard left. So like I'm in there. Every single music, because Toronto is a massive music city, massive, massive, massive. Like uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, original bands and all that kind of stuff. It's not a cover band town. Um, so I was, uh, my band was doing really well at that time, like super well. We're, and uh, every musician, every single one in the entire city turned on me, every single one. And uh, so I know exactly how you feel. And um, it, it was, it was, 
it was heartbreaking because it wasn't even a conversation. We couldn't even have a conversation about it. I, I'm okay with you disagreeing with me. That's that's no problem. Like we should disagree. Like that's how we kind of figure things out as a, as a, as a race, right? And a debate, all for it. But it wasn't that. It was just like name calling, a grandma killer, a racist. Like, dude, they were calling me a racist. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you've known me forever. Like, I had very close friends and coworkers that I like partied with and like, you know. Went to, like, oh, it was it was tough. So when I see like a, a musician kind of stand up, uh, an artist of any type, and kind of push back, uh, I think it's it's like a it's it's a, it's our duty, it's our job uh, as artists to kind of comment uh, on society, things that we agree with, things that we don't, to inspire. Uh, and it was a shame to see my entire community just bow down. You know, what I mean? it's, it, it's it was sad, dude. It was sad. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. It, it's been a heartbreaking, and uh, you just see how people put their paycheck or because you know I, I think there's three groups, right? There's a there's three groups of people over the past mm-hmm. three years. There's there's those that totally bought it hook, line, and sinker. They went along with all the things. Wearing two masks was going to stop the you know microscopic particle from going into them. There, the, the injection was the the silver bullet that was going to get all their get their life back um, there. So that was the one group. And then there's the second group that kind of just knew it was BS, but went along, you know, they yes. went along to get along. Yeah. And, and then there was those of us that knew it was, you know, bullshit and fought back and pushed wow. back. And those are the three groups. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, there's plenty of people in the arts um, and that knew what they were doing was uh, what they were going along with was unethical and wrong, it, but they just did it because they didn't want to, you know, they don't want to risk making waves or risk losing their career. And so when you see people, you know, you see people like Pete Parada, who he could have got a fake, you know, the former drummer of the offspring, he could have got a fake Vax card and he could have went on tour with them and he'd still be in, you know, one of the biggest bands uh, touring one of the biggest rock bands now and playing arenas. Uh, but he chose, you know, his own code of ethics and his moral compass and doing the right thing over just going along or lying. And so people like that really, we, you know, just mad respect to anybody that could spoke out because it definitely, it comes with a price, you know, Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure you, you, like you said, you, you lost a lot. You probably lost a lot of friends in that community. You saw that whole music community that you were a part of turn on you. Yep. yep. Um, I know, you know, oh. me Myself and my wife, we've lost so many close friends just for me being having been vocal against uh, against the government and big pharma. You know, it's insane to see all these people that consider themselves liberals who are just they're going to choose to believe uh, one of the most corrupt organizations, uh, the two most corrupt organizations basically on the planet. You know, the U.S. government and the big pharma. Uh, it's it's just ridiculous, and uh, and you're right. Uh, about the, the the bill you have to pay for standing up, and then you could really see with Van Morrison, Eric Clapton, that he did two, he took the two shots, and then he came out and he like uh, he just spoke up and and uh, did the right thing, and you know uh, he really paid for it. Uh, you know it's 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 kind of sad to see that a legend like that could just uh, be taken out at the legs, you know, like that. It's it's ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. And in my entire music scene, uh, I just want to throw a shout out to Terry. He's, he was, uh, uh, I was on his record label for a while and he was the only person in the entire community that was with me. And I was like, 
contacted me like because we parted ways at one point and we're on the same record label for his record label for a while and they just like sent out this message and he's like dude i like what you're doing i like that you're pushing back i'm watching you and this and that um and it was kind of sad because i was getting a lot of those private messages mm-hmm. but uh i was like guys speak up man like i can't do this alone you know what i mean like i need some help here you know and it, and uh, it was so bad in toronto that i had to like focus on my family i was like okay if i don't get the hell out of here like out of canada because I could, I could see the writing on the wall. I mean, before COVID, it was the writing was on the wall. Like, I got to get the hell out of here. So, like, my protest, my pushback was really putting my, my family together because they weren't all with me. A lot of them weren't. Like, I had to kind of, like, walk them through the process and get them the hell out of Canada. So, I mean, uh, trouble times, interesting times, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Uh, and then I put out an album in uh, 2021, and it was kind of like a, it was definitely a pushback on all the stuff. I got canceled left, right, and center. You know what I mean? And I know you know exactly what that's all about. So, like, uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit because I mean, I think that's very uh, very important. And I think a lot of people may not be aware of how serious it is and and like the repercussions. So, like, tell tell the audience a little bit about the censorship you've uh, experienced. Yeah. So, um, like you said, you know, we were one of the first people to kind of make blatantly. Put something out that was anti- against the lockdowns and against this uh the new normal tyranny which was new world order which was a song i had written back in i wrote that song back in like 2014 right and i think we originally recorded it in 2016 and then it got released in 2020 when we signed a uh, distribution deal with specter a music group and um i put together a video for it that was you know just all basically found footage from just what was happening, just showing the insanity of how totalitarian things have gotten of people getting arrested and the police are strapping masks on them and beating them in the streets in Australia. Um, you know, to showing the, the footage from event 201 showing some of that Rockefeller lockstep document that basically, you know, lays out the plan or global lockdowns, which had never been done before. So when these people say, this is how you handle a pandemic, this is, and it's like, no, it's not. You're just parroting what you heard Fauci say on TV because you've outsourced your thinking to someone else and you've stopped critically thinking. That's not how how we've ever dealt as a population, as a people uh, with respiratory viruses or pandemics. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, yeah, we, we, we put that video out in December of 2020 and yeah, we, I really feel like we were like the first, uh, first band to really do that other than like Van Morrison and, um, and then, you know, Eric Clapton, maybe Van was the first one, but yeah, it's, um, let's see, in terms of censorship are, we put out a record called into the light volume one last year and it had the song do not comply on it. That video, thanks, brother. Yeah, uh, that video got banned on YouTube for medical misinformation for violating their medical misinformation policy. It was only up for like two days, and um, it's still on Rumble. I appealed the uh, the decision on YouTube, but they, of course, denied the the appeal. And now there's there's a strike on our YouTube channel, which is just for, just for the record. I tried to to repost it on YouTube for you. And within seconds, within seconds, I had a strike. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. Yeah. They, sorry, sorry. 
that's that's wild yeah you know brad from five times august suggested that too he was like oh you know you should just re-upload it because he's done that with some of his songs like he had maybe like sad little man the fauci song it got banned and then he just put it back up and for for some reason the second time it went through um i kind of feel like it's easier for them to like censor some of us smaller guys you know like people that are you know not don't have the biggest reach like i feel like they're afraid to do it with um giant artist you know like like why is there like there's like tom mcdonald songs right they go hard but they won't they won't pull that stuff yeah Um, high res as well high res as well they don't pull his stuff yeah high res and jimmy and i don't think that i'm not saying there's like a conspiracy that those guys are are you know in the in the the in crowd or whatever with that but maybe it's yeah not at all i just think it's maybe because they think it, it'll cause more controversy. You know, if you exactly. take something down that's got like a million views, then it's just, it's like the Streisand effect where it's just going to create more, exactly. more attention. But for us kind of more smaller indie artists, like they can just kind of squash it before it starts to go viral. Right. If they see like, like I do not comply had gotten like, you know, a few hundred views and it was kind of like, I could see it kind of trending up and then they, they, you know, cancel it. So, you know, we've, we face that censorship. I live in, unfortunately, I live in a super woke town that completely captured um, because it's a college town. And so I've tried playing shows here um, in Athens, Georgia, and that's been uh, recently met with a lot of resistance. Literally had a show canceled an hour before we were supposed to load in because uh, these far left ideologues are calling um, the venue and saying, don't book them because they're Nazis and and it's like, uh, okay, first of all. And then this, the thing is, these people don't care about lying. That's the thing about we have to understand about these ideologues. They are so convinced that they're virtuous and uh, they're so drunk on their own self-righteousness that they don't care even if even if they're, they know they're lying. They'll just smear you with any label to make sure that you don't have a platform. So nobody can hear you. Um, no, you know. And for me, it's only because we've been, I have been very vocal and against all the, all the government measures, against all the lockdowns, against the injections, against the masking. Um, the whole thing to me was one giant scam. It was one giant ploy to uh, concentrate more wealth and power into the hands of the few, getting back to that 1% thing that we were talking about in the beginning of this conversation. And so many people just fell for it. They weaponized, they weaponized people's, um, empathy they weaponize uh people's compassion and uh they also just deputize like a nation of hall monitors and those people were drunk on that power so yeah i've learned i probably stay away from college towns <laughs> yeah especially though that's home of rem and the b52s and you would think that's a that's a creative town where you know a neutral uh, bill hotel and all, like, a bunch of bands i enjoy and, like no 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 it's it, it's those very uh uh, highly creative areas that you find a lot of this left-leaning ideology and a lot of collectivism and and uh, this this entire thing like Toronto's like one massive three four million people full of like it's just insane man it's insane but um, I really did enjoy uh, getting into a lot of your music I, and I I, I really like that way that you put out the volume one volume two um, uh, the first volume into the light it seems that uh, it was a little I'm, bit more I've got it right here as a visual aid. There it is, and, and like I, I really, um, I really like how it kind of it was a little bit more punchy. I would say like 
not that your music is very aggressive, but it had a little bit more of that like pushback energy. Uh, Do not comply. I, I really love that song. I put it on a couple of my playlists. Uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, it's got that uh, Doors meets Tom Waits sort of thing. Like the guitar is very Tom Waitsy, and I'm a massive Tom Waits fan. Jim Morrison was one of my idols from the beginning, uh, like yourself. And then I find Volume Two is a little bit more introspective. It's a little bit more chill. Um, so tell us, there it is. <laughs> um, so tell us, tell us how that came about. Like why the two volumes? Uh, how did, did you like? How did you um, how did you think it? Like how did how did that all come to pass? Yeah, I so I kind of envisioned the whole album as like one LP, right? With like side A and side B, and this is the CD we made. We've got a, a few left. We only made a hundred of them. So if anybody's interested, go to faithlesstown.com and, and get yours uh, while supplies last. But um, yeah, the concept was I, I envisioned it as a full length LP with side A being the bigger rock songs and you know full band arrangements. And then side B being the kind of more sparse, acoustic, introspective um, part of, you know, collection of songs. And it just seemed to make sense. You know, you, you know what it's like as an independent uh, musician. It's like you're, you're funding everything yourself. You know, you're either going to record at home or you're going to pay out of pocket to record at a studio and then hope that you can recoup that money with streaming and with um, physical sales or with shows that you get booked. So it's a grind and uh, it was easier to just break it up into two releases. And since we now live in a world where pretty much everybody consumes music through streaming and digital services, it's not really a big deal. I put out volume one and then, you know, the year following we put out volume two and then the nice thing is being able to compile it onto a CD and, you know, maybe one day we'll actually we'll make a, a a vinyl too. You have to. Yeah, man, I, I would love to do that. So yeah, that was kind of the concept of it. You know, in volume A, side one is more like looking to the a- external world, and that's why it has like live free on it and uh, Berkshire and um, do not comply. Whereas the second side is more about it's more introspective. It's more about interpersonal stuff and relationships. Um, you know, I, I got married over the past few years and missed all this insanity in the world. And, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, so a lot of those songs deal with that about the love for my wife. I lost some some very close friends that passed away over the past few years. And so there's songs about them. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super proud of it. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to be keep going out and playing these songs. We've got a show coming up this weekend. I'm, ex- I'm excited to play. And then, um, you know, we got all kinds of cool stuff happening this summer, including a giant uh, festival, Liberty Minded Music and Arts Festival in June that Courtney Turner has put together called Rebels yep. for Cause. Yeah, let's get into that because I, I definitely wanted to end up there for sure. But before we do, one second, um, going back to, uh, to volume two, uh, it, it's cool because I, I really enjoyed how it, uh, it had a lot of... Um, traditional kind of thinking to it, you know, getting married to a woman, <laughs> writing a song called Bride uh, about that. And, and it almost seems like that is uh, a very rebellious thing to do nowadays is to kind of just be, you know, normal, like an actual normal person. Um, did you get any weird, um, any pushback on that at all? Because I, I know I've heard from some artists that have gotten pushbacks for writing love songs to their wives. No, nothing on Bride. I mean, Bride, it was, I can see how, 
just because how insane things have gotten culturally, how it could be uh, <laughs> rebellious or contrarian, which is wild. Um, but yeah, no, that, that no controversy on that one. And, and that song's just, I'm so happy with how it turned out. It was um, a collaboration between myself and another Free the Nation artist. Like you mentioned, we were both part of the Free the Nation movement that Ben Mitchell started. But um, okay. yeah, Winsome Kind, uh, Leo, Leora Joy Perry of Winsome Kind, which is this amazing folk duo from Canada. I don't know. Were you, did you know them before all this stuff? Were you, had you crossed uh, paths up in Canada? No, no, because I think they're like Saskatchewan somewhere there. But uh, Scott, her uh, her husband, um, uh, he had seen some posts where some of my music got posted by Ben. And then he reached out and we kind of went back and forth. And he was in Mexico at the time and he was on his way to Anarchapoco. I was, I was, I just got into Puerto Vallarta. So we were kind of like going back on how like Canada was being in Mexico and all that. So that's kind of how I knew them. And then when I saw that she was on your, on your, on your album, uh, I was like, oh man, that's crazy. What a small world. And it was great to see. It was great to see a lot of artists from, from Ben's uh, little organization kind of getting together. Yeah, man. Uh, That was such a cool thing that he put together. I kept thinking that somebody needs to do this, Yeah. that there's got to be other artists, right? Like us out there and um to see you know this coalition of of artists from all around the world that were against playing segregated shows against you know having to show vax cards to go to a concert yeah um against all this insanity music really should be about uniting people um and you know that's what's so painful is when you have these people trying to cancel your performances and cancel um and you know stop youtube censoring our music videos it's frightening. It's frightening that this stuff is coming for the arts. You know, it, it's bad enough when it's coming for somebody that wants to speak on when they're going after Riley Gaines because she wants to speak about, uh, you know, women's rights and a uh, woman's right to uh, compete in sports uh, yeah, yeah. with other women and not against biologically born men. Uh, that's like that's bad enough when people are trying to suppress that and attack her and shut down her speeches, but. When they're they're coming for artists now, they're coming for artists, for musicians, for comedians, and uh, that should give everyone pause. And if you're on the side of where you're trying to suppress artists from creating art or making music, you really have to ask yourself. You know, you have to take a hard look in the mirror and, and ask, "Am I really on the right side of things?" You know, when else in history have the people sent been that have censored art? When have they been on the on the right side of history? That's true. Never. When have the totalitarians been on the right side of history? You know, whether, you know, you could have the best intentions that you're trying to create safe spaces and have equality and equity and diversity and all these, uh, you know, fluff words that you want to surround your, you know, your, uh, your ideology with. But if you're suppressing people because they have a difference of opinion, if you're trying to, deplatform them if you're trying to physically attack them to silence them you really have to ask yourself am i on the am i the good guy uh, and chances are you, you're, you're not you're definitely not um and a lot of those people need to take a hard look in the mirror the problem is you know the they're they're fanatics they're like any other fundamentalist uh they're drunk on their own sense of self-righteousness um, that's, and, that's why what I think you guys are doing uh, uh, yourself and Courtney is, is of the utmost importance because, um, you know, it, it, now's the time to be human. Like the more human we can be, 
the more we can push back. And it, it, it just seems like every angle, every turn, that's that's what they're assaulting. They're assaulting us spiritually. They're going after what it means to be human and take that down, whether that's congregating to, to go to a festival or to go to a church or to whatever, to dance, to to, to experience life together, to, to meet a girl, to meet a guy, you know, like just to kind of bond, have a conversation, you know, like check out a band you've never heard before, have them move you internally. You know what I mean? Like music is a powerful thing. As obviously we do know. And uh, there's a, this a, a amazing effect that occurs internally and externally. Like you could see it in someone. They could change their, their mood in a second. Uh, their entire brain lights up. Even being in a band, there's something magical that occurs where it's like kind of watching a flock of birds kind of just turn all together when you're jamming and then you, you make this one move on your guitar and, and like it's not practice and your entire band kind of moves with you. There's something moving through everybody that's experiencing this thing. And uh, like, I, I really want to talk a lot about, about this concert. Uh, it, it's very, it's very important that people uh, do their best to kind of go to shows like this. Uh, and so I really want you to kind of break it down, talk about this event and uh, the importance of it, who's on the bill. Cause there's some great, 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 great names on that bill. So go for it, my friend. Absolutely, man. Uh, so uh, the weekend of June 3rd and 4th, Coming up here in Franklin, Tennessee, there's going to be this two-day uh, liberty-minded event called Rebels for Cause. It is uh, creative artists coming together to celebrate freedom, sovereignty, light, connection. It's going to have um, Joseph Arthur is going to be performing. Uh, my friend Joseph, who I've been on his show multiple times, and he was a, a, a Grammy-nominated uh, singer songwriter he was you know discovered by peter gabriel joseph's first first album has peter gabriel and brian eno singing backup on it and you know he was signed to peter gabriel's record label uh ryan christian of the last american vagabond i don't know if ryan's gonna be he's a musician too but he's also an incredible independent journalist and the work he does at t-lav uh, is phenomenal he's he's one of my favorite uh go-to independent journalists so he's going to be there. Uh, Owen Schroyer from Infowars, um, Courtney Turner, who you've had on your show, and I've been on her show. She's phenomenal. Just uh, Frank Cavanaugh, formerly of Filter, mm-hmm. a bass player, Filter. Um, Matt Baker, who you probably recognize from the viral video where he's like, a dude with dreads from San Diego who's going after the school board uh, or the, the city council down there in San Diego over their COVID restrictions right. mandates. Uh, it's just a smorgasbord of, of artists, um, there's comedians, all sorts of different personalities. Um, and I'm super yeah, you guys, stoked. You guys even have Michael Graves from, uh, from the Misfits. When I saw that, I was like, why Michael Graves? <laughs> That's right. We have Michael Graves from the, from the Misfits. Yeah, he just got added. So... I'm super yeah, excited. I kept wanting somebody, you know, just like the free the nation thing. I was like, I hope somebody can do this. Yeah. And I was so caught up in doing other things and also, you know, doing my music and activism too. Um, that, you know, I was, had the same thought. I was like, somebody needs to put together like a freedom festival, you know, like a Woodstock of like Liberty minded people. And Courtney uh, made that happen. I think along with Frank and uh, Scott from rebunked. Yeah. Scott. Oh yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's uh, fantastic. I'm trying to get my ass over there. Uh, they've extended the Vax Pass in the U.S., so I'm going to try to see. Uh, Wait, they extended it? Yeah, yeah. So I thought, like, I thought I, it ended for sure on the 11th, which is today, right? 
I've heard two or I've heard that it was supposed to, and then I heard that they extended it. But either way, I'm looking into getting my ass over there. So I have to I have to look into that, but uh, it's a little tricky. Um, but yeah, it, it, it it's it's unbelievable uh, what she's done, and uh, in such a short time too, uh, it's quite the event, and uh, it's a must. Anyone that's around the area's gotta go. I you know a couple of people reached out to me because uh, I've been posting about it, uh, and personally talked to a few people that are that are uh, near. Uh, near Nashville. Okay. I'm going to go down there and check it out. So I think it's extremely important. Uh, what you guys are doing is fantastic. Phenomenal. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I wanted to say that if anybody wants to get tickets for that, you can go to rebelsforcause.com. And I think currently you can still use promo code town to get a discount on the tickets. Um, and then rebels for a cause cause stands for creative artists uniting the, for the sovereignty of everyone creative artist uniting for the sovereignty of everyone. So I think we can all get behind that. Absolutely. It's a must. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this episode out real fast so that I can help uh, kind of get that uh, promoted a bit and I'll make sure to throw out that link out there because it's uh, it's really important that we, we support such causes. Yeah. And, and just one uh, real quick, I, I know I, I mentioned Owen Schroyer, also Alex Zek's going to be there, Jay Dyer, Jamie Henshaw, Ryan Christian, Mel Kay, Michael Graves, Dr. Ben Marble, Joseph Arthur, Matt Baker, Kathy O'Brien, Susie Olgan Corgan, Mark Gober, Kevin Jenkins, my friend Kevin Jenkins, which uh, Kevin actually helped inspire the song, Do Not Comply, because Kevin's been going around the country uh, to uh, being a part of all these medical freedom protests and rallies. And he does this speech, you know, he was doing this speech in the early days of if you comply, you die, you know, and that's kind of where I borrowed the, I, I kind of took the liberty of take that and put that into the chorus of do not comply. So just all kinds of incredible people are going to be part of this event. So June 3rd and 4th, please join us. Matt Presti and uh, uh, Ben Joseph Stewart, who was also on my show uh, from way back in the day. He's one of the early uh, pioneers of like uh, the pushback. He had an esoteric agenda in Chimatica. It's a stacked, stacked lineup, and like I'm a ma- massive fan of Jay Dyer and all. It, it's a massive. It's it's great. It's super awesome. Yeah, and the venue it, uh, looks super cool. I, I know the venue is like I, I, it's kind of changed a couple times, but the the place I think they have secured now just looks beautiful. It's just it's a indoor space, um, massive stage. Um, I'm very stoked, stoked to play the hits. We'll be, we'll be doing do not comply and new world order and live free and uh, I might. I'm also going to maybe debut a, a brand new song that I wrote about uh, Athens and, but really just about the authoritarian left in general. Okay. Are you, are you planning on recording that and playing that out anytime soon? I, yeah. I, I, it, I'm thinking maybe um, I'm in the process of trying to put some money together to professionally record it. So if anybody oh, wants awesome. to help make that happen, if you want an amazing song that's going to go after the authoritarian left and the totalitarians, Please go to faithlesstown.com and you can uh, you can donate to us. We have a give, send, go. We've got Venmo, all all, all the usual suspects where you can uh, help support us so we can make that recording a reality. I'm thinking I might tease an acoustic version of it here soon. Uh, I, I think you'll I think you'll really dig it. Oh, definitely, man. Send it over and I'll make sure to get that out there and pump it. It's um. Like, uh, just kind of like wrap things up a little bit. I just wanted to like, uh, touch base on a few things. Uh, if, so as an artist, uh, 
how do you feel uh, people can help support uh, other artists kind of uh, get their message out there? Because I, I know, like I used to work in the music industry, actually, I, I used to work for Sony BMG as uh, in their sales department at A&R. Actually, I worked uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, second or third album, I can't remember. So I remember when I saw him on the bill, I was like, oh yeah, Joseph Arthur's off pushing back, that's pretty awesome. So I was there at Sony BMG when, when the industry went from from uh, the Napster era to the big layoffs to like where we are today. So I was like right there at the cusp. So I was like 2004, that's when I when I left Sony BMG. So as a, as a musician myself, uh, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's tough out there to like kind of, um, you know, make a living in any which way. It's not how it used to be. So uh, how do you how do you support other artists and how how is it that you um, kind of see the future of, of music going in terms of this industry in general? I think the uh, the best way you can support artists is buying their albums if they have any physical media or just digital media, you know, and you can uh, you can go and download somebody's uh, album off iTunes or if they're on Bandcamp or wherever, you know, we, we now have our stuff available just to download on digitally through our website because I've been kind of reluctant to put out new releases on Bandcamp because they're now yeah. censoring people and you know, they, they kicked uh, five times August off and deleted his whole catalog, even though he had thousands of people that had bought that album. And, you know, we're seeing these businesses and these platforms choose ideology over profit. Um, and so, yeah, you know, go support the artist, buy their album. It, it doesn't help to just stream, sadly. You know, streaming is like fractions of a cent. I don't think a lot of people realize that. It's like it, it takes... You know, I've known people that had 10 million streams on Spotify. They were like competing with Taylor Swift at points and they still have to work. Uh, they still bartend. So streaming does nothing. Those uh, I mean, it's just minuscule amounts of money. So you have to physically go and, you know, buy the album on on iTunes or wherever it's available. If there's a physical copy, a record or CD, buy that. That's better anyway, because where the world's heading, right? If yep. the internet goes down or the cloud goes down, do you really want to lose your whole library of music or do you want to have physical media? Same thing with books, man. Go out and buy books. They're they're now reissuing books with sensitive readers, right? Where they take out the words that could be offensive. They're, they're probably going to start doing that to albums, right? Like, Absolutely. you know, there's some racy lyrics in Dire Straits and in Patti Smith songs. Are those songs yeah. going to be unedited forever? You know, probably not. So get the physical copy while you can. Um, that's what I try to do. I mean, for uh, for Brad's, I, I bought two five times August CDs. <laughs> I bought one for myself, yeah. and then I bought one to try to red pill my in-laws. It hasn't worked, <laughs> but I gave it to him for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's a that's a great album actually. Because uh, I was listening to it the other day in the car, and it's it's um it feels like it's going to be timeless. Like looking back at it, like years from now, like listening to that album, I'm going to be like, uh, it'll take me back to this moment in time, but it doesn't sound dated. I don't like, it won't sound dated because we're not there yet, but I can hear that there's like a timelessness an honesty. There's like earnest. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great album. I, I don't know how, how else to put it. Uh, it's, it's very sincere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it really, it was like the, uh, the, the record that encapsulates the last couple years and the, the pushback and the pushback to the tyranny and the tyranny itself. And kind of, it's like a, you know, the same way you can listen to some of those albums from the sixties, right? Those Dylan albums or doors albums with yeah. 
unknown soldier on it and you can kind of feel the tension of the social strife and, and unrest in America with, of, against the Vietnam War. I feel like when, when you listen to um, Silent War by Five Times August, you kind of yep. feel the what it's been like to experience the last few years um, and, and be awake to what's going on. So, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's the way people can support art and go see bands when they're playing. Go, you know, go out to live music. Um, it, it, it means the world. You know, it's so easy to um, just try to live stream something or whatever and watch videos on YouTube. But go out. And like you said, it's about making human connection. It's about staying human. And everything yeah. is, seems to be trying to push us into further isolation, to divide us, to label us, to corral us into these echo chambers to have us experiencing life through a screen or a digital medium. That's not how we were meant to live. We're meant to live in real life, connecting with other fellow human beings. Absolutely. That's well put. And uh, I think we should leave it there because I don't think you can, you can say it any better than that. Um, so just uh, plug anything you've got coming up. I know you mentioned the, the show, anything else you have uh, to put out there, let us know. Um, yeah. So if anybody wants to help us, uh, record professionally this new this new song that goes hard at the authoritarian left uh i'll, I'll tell you the title's woke town and so, <laughs> yeah and, and there ain't no love in woke town so uh if you want to support that please go to faithlesstown.com buy some albums um buy some merch and or give us an artist tip or donation that'll help make that become a reality please come out to uh Franklin, Tennessee, June 3rd and 4th to Rebels for a Cause. You can go to rebelsforacause.com and get your tickets. Use promo code TOWN for a discount. And yeah, just stay tuned. You can follow us on all the socials uh, at Faithless Town. Um, And yeah, man, it's been such a pleasure, man. And thank you so much for all the support you've shown me over the past year since we've connected, Um, you know, putting our songs on on your your playlist. I I see the streams. I see the love. And just being there as a, a, you know, a kindred spirit. In, in this fight for truth and freedom. Um, it, it's just been, I'm, I'm very grateful to uh, consider you a friend and an ally in, in this this life, brother. So thank you so much for what you're doing. You too, my friend. I, I do appreciate what you do, and I appreciate you, brother. All right. Uh, thanks for being on the show, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Got it, man. Stay fearless. <laughs>